Last week, we had J.J. Zacharyson on to talk some sophomore rookie wide receivers. Ended up talking a lot about specific rookie running backs. Well, this week, that's the point. We have one of the best, the RB whisperer himself. We have Noah Hills with us. Can't wait to find out what happens this year. Last year, Noah was having his lawn cut. We'll see what random situations pop up this week. We're ready for him. Let's go. That's right. This is the Full Tilt Fantasy Football YouTube channel. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast, bringing you dynasty tips and information from all walks of life. The last couple of weeks, Graham Barfield, JJ Zacharyson, we're happy to be joined today by Noah Hills. You find him at Noah More Parties. Just released his Noah More Parties website. Fantastic. You should be going and subscribing to it if you want. Uh, outside of the Think Tank methodology something that jacob and i were talking about noah uh leading up to this show i of course are your host of the most time stands i am thomas tipple ff joining me as always jacob sanderson we mentioned noah of course we want to shout out rebellion brewing canadian brewery uh we love that they just joined the full tilt team we love that obviously underdog trophy smack fantasy points we love all you guys but there's so much in this episode to get to i want to throw immediately to you noah there are already people Felix Sharp being one of them. Your reputation is following you around. Zach Evan haters beware from Brian. Uh, Noah, how are you? Thank you for joining us and welcome back. This is uh, number two for you here on the full tilt. No, you're muted. Believe sir. You are muted, sir. Oh, we had the. Oh, 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 oh my bad, my bad. Okay, oh. I'm going to start over. Pretend that didn't happen. I'm going to say exactly what I said. I'm going to say exactly what I said. Um, it is my second time. Uh, I appreciate the throwback to my, uh, the lawn mowing debacle last year. I forgot about that, but I'm no longer paying somebody to mow my lawn. I bought a lawnmower buying a trimmer today, actually. So no Ooh. more, uh, <laughs> no more, audio, no more my audio. Okay. Is this the part where I say my fun fact? Please. One thing. Okay. Just to okay. Remind everyone listening, to remind everyone listening, every guest we we've asked uh, to have a fun fact, whether it's JJ giving us a, a history of, of German singing to, to a bunch of other different fun facts. Noah, I would love to get your fun fact for this episode of full tilt. Okay. I have, I, I just pivoted. I, I said I had one coming in. I'm, I'm pivoting. I have oh. three major uh, celebrity encounters in my life. Number one, mm -hmm. I saw B.O.B. at his heyday at Chicago O'Hare Airport. Uh, I that. saw Sean Bradley, former, what, seven foot five center for the Mavericks at uh, Lagoon Amusement Park in Utah. And at the same amusement park on the same trip, I saw John Brankus, who's the ESPN sports science guy, wearing Air Jordan black cement threes and walking around with this kid. How do you remember the shoe? Like that of all things. How do you remember the shoe? I was really into well, I still am pretty into shoes, but I I remember making note of it at the time. And and that was like a piece of evidence. It was like, okay, I know that looks like John Brankus. 
He's also wearing Jordans, which felt like a point like towards that being who he really was. So I, I remember that that was part <laughs> of my thought process. That's, uh, so funny. Then extra, extra fun fact, Noah Hills, uh, sneaker aficionado, not yeah, just running backs, back. but sneakers too. We love that. <laughs> Uh, fan- fantastic. I absolutely love that. Um, Noah, I mentioned in the beginning, the website, I mean, it takes a lot of cojones to launch your own endeavor, but I feel like yours was done right. The information has been fantastic. I uh, want to just talk about your website, the metrics you've de- uh, developed to evaluate running backs. Cause we, we referred to you as the RB Whisperer the first time you were on the show. So obviously this has been a strong suit of yours for quite a while. What's different about the website and, and what have you developed that sets you apart? Uh, yeah, the website uh, is different, I think, because it's just running back stuff. I think that's the, the main thing that sets it apart. Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, Patreons and uh sub-based websites and products out there dedicated to like dynasty or devi or you know fantasy analysis in general or even player evaluation in general i literally just do one thing and so uh because of that i'm able to like just go a lot deeper a lot of my articles are on one player at a time um looking you know really in, in a really focused way at like their analytical profiles now i'm i'm you know charting film and and bringing you know, that element of it, um, into play, but some of the metrics, like, uh, I think, I think my metrics just come from wanting to like get more and more close to like what's actually happening on the field with, with what's being expressed in, in numbers. So box adjusted efficiency rating, um, and relative success rate are two of the big, uh, kind of rushing efficiency metrics. They look at team relative efficiencies. Like what are you doing? Um, you know, in the context of what the other backs on your team are doing, but also accounting for the kinds of defensive fronts that you're seeing, because that's such a large determining factor in the outcomes of running plays. And then uh, some of the receiving metrics I look at are like route diversity um, to kind of quantify how, uh, how varied a player's route tree is, how advanced the route tree is, um, how often he's being targeted on those routes relative to uh, route specific target rates uh, across all of college football in the NFL. Um, so it's really just about uh, trying to get like as close as possible to f- like film charting without film charting. But now I'm also doing that. So that's, that's basically what I, what I offer on the website in addition to uh, rankings for dynasty Debbie and rookie drafts. Yeah. I, I happily was a day one subscriber to uh, no more parties.com. I I've appreciated your work a ton just because I think, so much of the running back position is just so much harder to apply either like the quote unquote R squared type analysis or even heuristic based analysis, because so much of it is based on trying to project what kind of contingent outcomes are there. And I think what I love most and what I get most takeaway away from your work is like, okay, what type of running back is this? What kind of things can they do and what kind of things might they be asked to do? And if somehow luck should befall them where they wind up in a spot doing more than you'd expect them to do, like, can they do that? Um, or can they not do that? Like, what kind of is their toolkit of this running back? Where can they be optimized? And I think in this class, where we're going to see probably a ton of running backs on day three that have something interesting in their profile, you know, trying to sort through which ones to take more shots on and which ones we think fit best in, in a way that 
helps their skills and can be most useful for fantasy is going to be crucial. So excited to talk about a bunch of those um, today and uh, in, in light of your work. So um, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to dive in. This is, I think it's the only time we've ever actually got in, into the bulk of the show sheet before the 10 minute mark. I don't know what to do. I feel like we could just like run ads or talk about yodeling, but I think we're actually on, on time, Tom. This is pretty incredible. Hey, I, I, I didn't stutter in the opening this time. I didn't, I didn't uh, wander off in my own thoughts. So I really think that that's the, that's the crux right there. So, yeah, I wanted to talk through some running back prospects. I would consider four of these guys polarizing. The other one I would consider like literally the opposite of polarizing, but I just thought <laughs> that they should be talked about. But let's start with the guy who has been streaming up boards even faster than he ran uh, in Western Pennsylvania's pro day. Uh, reported to run somewhere between 426 and 526, depending on what you believe, <laughs> is Real Abanacanda. He of the 17 different reported pro day times uh, oh certainly God. ran fast. And he has decent size and he has decent rushing production. Uh, an interesting guy where I ran through just some really basic thresholds on Twitter to sort of get a picture of what kind of running back prospect this guy looks like. And it was one of the wider variance ranges. Um, I think I described him as the running back who looks like the not as good running back and very good running backs complex. What are your thoughts on Israel Abanacanda? Yeah, I think that is spot on. He he's going to fall. You know, we when we divide guys into these like general categories of productive, uh, high speed score, young players like early declares, all the kinds of things we generally want from our, like efficient on the ground, all the things we generally want from our running back prospects. Izzy Abanacanda is all of them. He's going to be twenty years old when his rookie, like probably the the first game of his career, he'll be twenty years old. Uh, he ran probably sub four, four. He's like 215 pounds. He was dominant last year at Pitt. Like he, he checks all of the kind of, I don't necessarily want to say superficial boxes, but I think that's kind of what they are. He checks the superficial boxes. Um, but yeah, I think there's a reason that he's divisive and that's because his film isn't that good. I think he's incredibly explosive. Uh, the, the 40 time shows that. And didn't he jump really high, I believe, like 40 inches or something like that. So he's he's definitely an excellent athlete, at least in a straight line um, and from, you know, stop to go. But like my film charting does not like him much because I didn't uh, I didn't think he ran very powerfully at all. Um, he's like. Oh, yeah, go say, ahead. That's go interesting because Zerline has him comped to Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, recently. So when you say uh -huh. he's not running hard and you see the comp of Pacheco, I can understand why that can throw some people off. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's a big guy with, you know, a lot of speed, like force, what times mass equals acceleration, whatever it like, he should be bringing <laughs> a lot, a lot of force. I said that backwards, yeah. I think, uh, but he's bringing a lot of, you know, you'd think if running back was a competition about like who could run into a brick wall the hardest, Izzy Abanacan is probably one of the best guys in this class, but that's, right. that's not what running back is. And when you mentioned I that, I just got this picture in my mind, you know, like the Sonic games where he like does the roll into a ball and he like plows through like the brown uh -huh. brick, <laughs> yeah. like the other side, that's just the image that like immediately sprung to my head. Oh, anyway, yeah. I just cut you off for that tangent. So no, Sonic the Hedgehog, that. Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> is not a bad Izzy Abanacan to comp because <laughs> 
that's a that's a side scrolling game. There's not there's not a lot of <laughs> lateral movement, and that's the same thing with Izzy Abanacanda. He doesn't attempt to make a whole lot of guys miss at the second level. He doesn't make a lot of guys miss at the at, at the second level, and he doesn't break a lot of tackles. I think at the second level, so it's either he sees it, hits a hole, and is gone, or he's you know kind of apprehensive in the backfield or gets gets lit up on his way to the second level because he's not very good at kind of uh getting you know positioning himself well for contact yeah i'm, I'm glad that we have his perfect comp now of sonic uh um, sonic I, the hedgehog corollary I, uh, according to dave I, I find him you know i found him interesting like first of all like i mentioned i just sort of wanted to go through these like box check categories to like what is kind of the range of outcomes and i looked for guys that were within a similar size range plus 10 minus 10 pounds from what his report was guys over 50 percent team share of market rushing or over 50% market share of team rushing yards and under 8% market share receiving yards with an 80 over 85th percentile speed score. So guys who have good rushing production, not making any claim to the efficiency, just productive runners, good size, really great speed score, not catching a whole ton of balls guys in my database that match all of those that also went day two, you get an incredible range. You get Ken Walker, you get Cam Akers, you get J.K. Dobbins, and you get Ben Tate, Bernard Pierce, and Niall Davis. And as soon as I saw Niall Davis, I was like, oh, that's the dude. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, like, it's it, you, you kind of get guys that are really good running backs, and you get guys that look theoretically like really good running backs. And then I think you kind of have to apply the qualitative analysis from there, of like on which end of the spectrum is it going to fall. I, I kind of see um, Abbott, TDP did not have that – level of rushing production um i think i don't i can't i don't have offhand why he didn't hit those thresholds but um or might have been the speed score anyway um but i have for abedican i i think that i don't know i could see him in a like scheme with a running quarterback and all he has to do is just like run straight with the quarterback being the one actually making the read i feel like is his best case scenario like miles sanders He's like a guy who really thrived with Hertz because Hertz was actually the one making the read and Sanders is just going. And I could kind of see that scenario working out for Abinacanda, but I'm, I'm not sure that he actually has like the expansive ceiling that, that, um, that I think has been bandied about on Twitter a little bit. Yeah. I think he's, I kind of think of him as a, uh, as like a smaller Latavius Murray stylistically. Mm. Um, I think, Latavius Murray has kind of developed. I mean, he stuck around the, the league for a long time. Has kind of developed into yeah. a, a reliable guy, like a reliable veteran. But I think early on in his career, he was, you know, ripping off ninety-yard runs mm-hmm. for the Raiders or kind of not doing much. Um, and I think, yeah, I view a, a Candace similarly. He's he's kind of like if Jonathan Taylor, if all of those the the like lazy criticisms about Jonathan Taylor coming out, like he can't move laterally, he can't catch the ball. Uh, he's just a speed guy. Like if all of those things were true, that would be a Banacanda, I think. So if it was, so so he's Jonathan Taylor's first eight weeks of his career. Is that what you're saying? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't super <laughs> yeah. impressed with the Banacanda's like decision making and and vision right. and things Trent like that. Richardson so... in his game is what you're saying. That's what I remember. <laughs> the the, the Taylor move. He was like running in sludge. <laughs> Kevin but. Kevin says I'm all in on Knuckles as a prospect, so we'll have to add Knuckles. Uh, to the to the running back board. Also, shout out Reg, who's uh, watching over there on Twitch. You can head over there, Thomas WFF over there on Twitch. And Ali, uh, shout out Ali Walker. I hope I say that correctly. Yeah, he's not going to be in there on third downs. That has to limit Probably his not. ceiling. Super which, likely. 
Which leads me to my next question. Where are you expecting him to go? No, I'm looking at your rankings. I'm not going to shout them out for the people. You should go and head over to Noah's website to get these rankings here. But I'm looking where you have him planted, and I am concerned on where you think he's going to go. It looks like day three lock, but are we talking late day three, like late second round super flex rookie draft? tight pick here that's gonna crush a lot of people's dreams for what they have here for izzy yeah yeah i first uh, first of all i want to shout out that uh knuckles comment i think isaiah pacheco is knuckles if a banacanda is is uh sonic but uh this down i have a graphic to make later (laughs) but yeah I, i think there's a lot of guys in this class whose kind of expected draft capital is tough to get a grasp on and a banacanda is just one of them it would not shock me if he was you know like uh it wouldn't shock me if if he was if he went in an area where I perceived he was overdrafted, whether that somebody falls in love with his athleticism and big play ability and drafts him in the high third round or, uh, you know, and I also wouldn't be shocked if some teams are seeing the same things that I and some other people are seeing on film where he just doesn't seem like that natural of a of a like a processor at the line of the scrimmage um, and is just kind of a one trick pony and he falls to you know, the sixth round, I, I, I I don't anticipate that he'll go undrafted because he has definitely has enough tools to be like interesting as a developmental guy. Um, but I, yeah, I would not be shocked if he went anywhere from the third to the seventh, really. Interesting. Well, let's, let's, uh, quickly pivot over. Well, I think we'll have Abinacanda will be featured in one of our fuck, Mary kill segments later, but we'll go to the next deep dive guy. This is a guy who I don't think we have Oh, Before sorry. we move on, I do, uh, we just had uh, I want to shout out Ball is Life. Yeah, oh. he's joining us here uh, over on the YouTube and Shapoba. Uh, he wants to know about a player where we don't have on the show sheet, but he wants to know where you think uh, Daenerys Prince is going to fit in in the NFL sure. draft. I think Daenerys Prince is kind of arbitrage of Anaconda. He wasn't as good in college, uh, but I and I haven't watched him. But based on their analytical profiles, like Daenerys Prince is also a an upright runner, a fast guy, big play guy. I think he's kind of stylistically the same as a Vanacanda, but just like a little bit worse. So I don't know. Okay. We love, we love that. Scamper says, does that make dudes on tails? Uh, We're, we're, we're just a Sonic uh, fantasy football show. All Sonic show today. I know what the graphic (laughs) has to be next week. Like I'm totally ready, but you're, I think you're right, Jacob. Let's move on to the second player. And, you and JJ went absolutely bananas with this last week, and I loved it. And I love that we're going to get another opinion. My yeah, opinion I'll, is is that of I don't really have one. I'm trusting the people who are smarter than me to tell me that he's good, even though he was one ham sandwich short of 200 pounds. So I'm going to let smarter people than me go through it. But Jameer Gibbs, Noah, um, let, let's talk some Jameer Gibbs. Where are you with him right now? Uh, right now, I'm tentatively excited about Jameer Gibbs. I, I think I've I've gained a reputation uh, that I, I hate Jameer Gibbs. I don't hate Jameer Gibbs. I think my initial concerns on Jameer Gibbs were that the numbers didn't indicate that he was a very natural runner as far as like producing positive outcomes consistently relative to what his teammates were doing, um, even while seeing lighter defensive fronts, uh, not particularly efficient even relative to his teammates, despite being like a good, you know, a good runner out in space, 
Um, good in the open field. Okay. Okay, Felix. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I but I think those kinds of concerns have caught up and consensus is now where I was initially, where it's kind of acknowledged that Jameer Gibbs maybe isn't the best pure runner or the most well-suited to run between the tackles. And so now I find myself more in line with, I think, what everybody else thinks. And I... I'm I'm fully on board with with the ceiling outcome that people see where he can be. Uh, I've seen Jamal Charles. I don't I don't think he's going to be the runner that Jamal Charles was. But catching passes like that, catching passes like Alvin Kamara, impacting the game in a similar way. Um, uh, kind of the the I don't the, the high end like usage comp I've landed on is is Reggie Bush. I don't think yeah, they they look very. Too. Yeah, I don't I don't think they look very similar on the field. Like Reggie Bush is a lot more demonstrative and like i don't know laterally explosive where gibbs is more subtle um but the way in which reggie bush was used like i don't think he had more than you know 150 carries or whatever it was his first couple seasons in the league he never even averaged four yards per carry his first couple seasons in the league and Mm -hmm. he was like a back-to-back rb1 while splitting a backfield on those saints teams jameer gibbs could be similarly ineffective as a runner similarly low volume as a runner and still be an RB1 in fantasy because he's able to impact the game um, as a receiver. I just need to see a landing spot and draft capital that indicates that's going to happen before I'm fully on board like everybody else is. Because I also see the downside where he could be Chris Thompson or Naeem Hines in a situation where they don't know how to use him well. I talked a lot about the market aspect of Gibbs on the show last week with JJ, so I won't bore people to that. If they want to listen to that show, they can. I'll talk a little I'm bit sure. more about my thoughts on him as like a as like a player in this one. Um, I I agree with you. Like I I wish that I could tell myself an easier story of how looking at his prospect profile, I think he's like a great runner. Um, ultimately, I think the best thing I can say about his running prospects is that he's like a 21 year old prospect from college and maybe he's going to be a better runner than we think he is. And that's just like the baseline of expectation for anybody. And I'm kind of okay with that because he's just an absolutely exceptional receiving profile. And then you pair that with the market elements that I talked about last week, how the market tends to be very, very optimistic about baking in whatever is lacking out of a prospect profile coming out of their first year in the NFL. And I feel like we kind of get a free look and see what can this guy do as a runner in his first year. My comp, Reggie Bush was on my list as well. My, my go-to comp for him has been CJ Spiller. And I've noticed that I, I, I will say I had the Gibbs Spiller comp and I had the Roshan Johnson, Chris Carson comp pre-combine <laughs> and they have exploded in people with more Twitter followers than I have. And it's been mildly <laughs> tilting ever since, but um, no, I, I've like wonder honestly, probably once a week when I'm really baked, what CJ Stiller would be in 2023 <laughs> NFL. So like, I'm pretty excited about the prospect of Jameer Gibbs. Cause I always had, uh, I always had a major soft spot in my heart for CJ Stiller. I, I think that, I think that it's an interesting fantasy bet because we frankly just don't get that many opportunities to bet on running backs with receiving profiles like this, that will probably get draft capital like this. Um, and in terms of what he provides as a runner, we'll see. It's interesting because I think that the NFL is like not like, I don't know what to necessarily think of how Gibbs will be used by the NFL, because in one sense, the NFL has a tendency to not give work to small running backs who deserve more work in the run game. But they also 
don't seem to particularly care about how effective highly drafted running backs are on a carry to carry <laughs> basis. And they tend to just give them work um, by default. Right. So in one sense, I'm like, maybe an NFL team will just be like, yeah, we drafted Gibbs. We're going to use him," Or maybe they're like, no, he's the small dude. We can't use him." But either way, I think we'll probably get enough work on top of the receiving work on top of whatever hopium we want to inject into it that I'm, I'm probably going to make the bet more often than not. And I'm really glad that it seems as though we might be able to make that bet at like one, five, one, six in super flex rookie drafts. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is often there. And I think uh, I, I was doing some research for something else this last week and, and was looking into Christian McCaffrey's uh, rushing efficiency numbers at San Francisco last year. And he was, a little bit less efficient than like Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff, like the collective other guys. But I don't think San Francisco cares because as long as it's just a little bit, and as long as McCaffrey is also adding the, uh, the versatility as far as, and, and you know, kind of the, the confusion um, for, you know, def- defensive personnel matching and things like that, that Kamara or that McCaffrey offers on the field. I don't think they care that he's like slightly less effective on a per carry basis than the random other dudes on the team. And I don't think Jameer Gibbs is Christian McCaffrey as a runner even, but if he can be similarly like competent, I I think his, you know, a smart NFL team will not care that he's not as effective as, you know, the Jalen Warren, Jordan Wilkins type guy that they could, you know, put in front of him on first and second down. Interesting. Sampers wants to know who the theoretic is of this class. And then Ali says it's Jameer Gibbs. (laughs) (laughs) God, I hope not. Um, I mean, Deuce Vaughn, Kenny McIntosh. Okay, there we go. There's some good answers there for you, Scamper. Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears. And Taylor, shout out Taylor. Hope you're doing well. Uh, our hey, friend in Cincinnati. Swift got Unless... a lot. Swift got a lot of work in 2021 to the Lions' detriment. He got absolutely fed. Yeah, and like we said, the the teams don't really care about how inefficient their running backs are. Detroit may be the one team right. that decides, nah, we're right. gonna give it to but another here, inefficient I, running back. But but here's the case, right? Like, you had a lot of time to get out of <laughs> Swift if you wanted to, right? Like, it was not mm-hmm. as though like like the Swift thing, like. To the extent it crashed, and maybe it didn't even crash, like maybe he's gonna have a really good year this year, it's totally possible. But like to the extent that the Swift like value tanked, it took a while. Like you had up until like midway through his third season to to get out at top value. Um, yeah, this is what Noah was talking about. CMC's value is that defenses really try to account for him more than they do with other backs. I agree, and I think that Gibbs could have that. You know, I don't want to see his Chris McCaffrey level receiver, but I think he could have the same <laughs> theoretical type. Yes, I I do very often get baked yeah. for Gatch. Um, as we're, let's we're, talk about other guys. Get baked. We're, we're this pro. is a guy. This is the only ranking that I will I will spoil for the masses. Um, from Noah's rankings, this is the guy that you currently have above Jameer Gibbs. Um, he oh wrote yeah, several several articles about that are fantastic. Um, I, I would go as far to say it's probably one of your favorite players in the class, if not your favorite mm-hmm. player in the class. We're gonna talk about Devin Chain. And we pulled this. Uh, we pulled this at the the. Full Tilt FFB. I don't remember. We changed the Twitter handle. It is uh, Full Tilt FFB. And we we asked the people what your seemingly most, their like your most controversial take was. <laughs> and being high on Zach Evans, that was that was pretty up there. That was 25.1%. 
Dealer's Choice, 8.7%. Uh, and but the A chain over Gibbs was 66.2%. The people's thoughts was your hottest take. Walk us through this, please. I understand that this is controversial. I don't I don't get why. A chain is okay, he, he's much smaller than Gibbs, but why do we care about size? Number one, we care about size because NFL coaches, for whatever reason, tend to not give as much work to smaller running backs. And being 188 probably matters in that regard versus being 199. But I'm not evaluating A-Chain, you know, his ability in the context of what I think somebody else will think about it. And the way that his size manifests on the field, especially relative to Gibbs, is he runs with a lot more power. He's not, I don't think he's actively powerful in the con you know relative to other normal size running backs but he's not far behind and he runs with as much power as somebody like izzy abanacanda does whereas gibbs has power that is an active detriment to the level at which he can be effective on the field i don't think a chain's uh lack of size has that same extreme effect on him um so so i don't care that he's smaller than gibbs as far as what they're doing on the field he's not the receiver that gibbs is but he's I mean, it, people like Zach Charbonnet as a receiver. I also think he's fine. He's going to be a reliable swing pass and screen option. A-Chain can do all of that same stuff while offering way more open field juice than Charbonnet can. And there's not anybody in the league probably who can cover him up the sideline on a wheel route. And if he learns to run angle routes and, you know, things over the middle of the field, he's going to be unstoppable. But right now, he's going to be really dangerous as a receiver from day one. And then compared to Gibbs as as a like a technically refined runner, a, a good decision maker at the line of scrimmage, I don't think it's particularly close. I think Gibbs is very clean in that area. He's got some skittishness to his game that you know kind of results in him you know bouncing things outside or uh, you know like overreacting to things in his periphery. Uh, but otherwise, he's a really clean decision maker. But A Chain is a clean decision maker as well as like adding value through through the decision the decisions that he's making behind the line of scrimmage like he has the speed and the elusiveness in the open field he has more power than gibbs he's a better decision maker with the ball a better natural runner the only thing he doesn't do as well is is run routes basically uh everything else i i think he's a superior talent to gibbs i Man, I fucking love Devin Achain. I don't know if NFL teams are, are going to treat him with fairness, dignity, and respect. Um, I'll be filing reports to the Human Rights Commission uh, if he doesn't get the amount of carries that I would like him to get. And that results in a very conflicted place from a fantasy perspective, um, which, you know, I think that's what's important is like you're, like you said, you're not ranking based on what you think other people are trying to do. And unfortunately, I am usually trying to rank based on what I think <laughs> other people are going to do. Um <laughs> I, I think that, I, yeah, so Brian's comment here hits on two things, and I agree with one of the things Brian's saying, and I strongly disagree with the other thing, which is he says, in my opinion, we have to incorporate how things will translate in the NFL. Therefore, also fantasy football, when you rank these guys, the size has to matter in that. But I also don't see a chain as the runner you do. I agree with the idea that, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, we have to translate in what do we think coaches are going to do. I disagree in terms of the runnishing ability. Like, I don't think that Devin A. Chain runs like what people think 188 pounder do. And I don't even know that. 
I don't even know how much correlation there is between what we think of when we think of small runners and their types of deficiencies and the actual size that some of these running backs have. Like I think people's in their mind, their idea of a small running back is like, oh, that guy is just all speed and finesse and he bounces everything to the outside and he like takes all these risky decisions and he's boom bust. I don't think a chain does that. Like I think he has a way lower center of gravity than Jameer Gibbs. I think that he absolutely understands how to maneuver inside between the tackles more than Jameer Gibbs does. I think that he, uh, and more than most running backs do, not like just bagging on Jameer Gibbs. I think he fundamentally understands how to play the running back position as a between the tackles runner and outside in a really impressive way. And I think that he has the vision and skill set of a totally average sized bell cow running back, just in a more compact frame. And really the questions then become is like, what are the actual limitations of his frame, right? First of all, it's like, yeah, he's probably not going to be able to like bowl over dudes in the open field with the same frequency of a Zach Charbonnet. And secondly, like he's probably presumably more susceptible to breaking if he gets hit like 300 times in a season. Like that's just probably true. And then from fantasy, it's, it's absolutely what are the coaches going to do? I think it's so tough because with Gibbs' size, like it's on the small side, but you can look at it and say, okay, here's Gibbs' size. And here's other guys in a similar size range from like 195 to 205. And here are guys who, you know, have similar receiving profiles and similar athleticism profiles. And you can get some really high-end comps for Gibbs when you do that. You get Spiller and you get Bush and you get McCaffrey. And with a chain, it's almost impossible. Like to go into guys that are sub 190, it's, it's really hard. And on the bright side though, and I heard, um, Pat Corain made this point, and I would say I'm higher on a chain than he is even. But he said, like, given that a chain needs to do something that almost no running back at his size wants to do, you'd rather have almost no comps come up than like a bunch of comps of guys who later fail. And that's kind of where we're at with a chain is like the small running backs like a chain that have failed don't look anything like a chain's profile. And then the running backs that have the profile like a chain don't look like him in terms of size. Like he really is unlike any other running back we've seen in this body, which is probably what you'd prefer to see if you're making a bet on somebody to do something that isn't very frequently common at his size. So it comes down to where he's at in rookie drafts. I, we had our full tilt uh, draft startup with all of the rookies included that I was in. Tom was in, I believe that Brian Ford was in that I drafted Devin A. Chain in that. I, I want to say in around 11 or something like that. I'll be interested Great in taking him because I think he's good. And we'll see where it sorts out from there. But I'm I'm definitely cautious, especially like if he ends up going to like Miami in round three, I could see a scenario where he gets juiced beyond my level of risk tolerance. But right. whatever shares I have, like there's nobody in this entire class that I'm going to be rooting for harder every Sunday than A-Chain. Because I, I think whether or not it happens on purpose, if he ends up in a situation where he just gets a lot of carries, I think he's going to fucking crush it personally. Well, consensus on uh, NFL mock draft database uh, has him 54th to the Chargers uh, right now is consensus, which not a terrible spot for him right now. They're constantly uh, looking to fill the need at running back behind Eckler and uh, Noah Hill's uh, touted trash can uh, CJ Spiller is obviously not doing uh the job hey, isaiah have... spiller isaiah oh, sorry spiller. sorry isaiah was, spiller. spiller talk today i'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be nice if a chain could come and take his job again but also the <laughs> dolphins the dolphins do pick at 51 i believe so if that's about mm-hmm. where he's going in mocks i personally would uh 
be taking him in completely irresponsible places uh, <laughs> if he was selected at 51 to the Dolphins. So I'm well, actively rooting me, for that. That leads me to this. If both Gibbs and A-Chain go round two in the NFL, do you prefer A-Chain at cost early round two versus mid round one to early mid round one? Wait, say that again. I think he's saying, if okay, both, I think what he's if, saying is if they both go in round two in the real draft. Correct. Would you prefer A chain at cost? Oh, to give oh it's in this question draft? on the screen. Okay. And then I think yeah, what okay. he's saying is, is that A chain, I think he's presuming then that A chain would be an early round two pick in rookie drafts and that gives it be a mid round one pick in rookie drafts, I think is his assumption. Which is probably yeah, a right one. Uh, I think. Assuming like tough it, questions. Yeah, these are assuming like equivalent landing spots and they're going similar places in the NFL draft. Yeah, I think I would have to have a chain over Gibbs, especially at cost. I yeah, I, I wouldn't pull him up to the 106 to take him ahead of Gibbs, but um and, and I might take Gibbs at the 106 anyway, because I don't think that's like a bad bad price for him, even though I technically right. have him behind a chain in the rankings. Um, I don't think either of those costs would necessarily be like, you know, bad value. Uh, but I do think a chain would be better at cost than Gibbs at, you know, one Oh six or one Oh seven in that, you know, specific scenario. It's also important to remember that just because you're saying that you like a player more than one does not mean you have to, like you say, overextend yourselves to get them. You still have to input what the market is going to dictate, which at the end of the day is really going to be the, uh, tie-breaking factor in in who you're drafting for the most part. I mean, we, every draft, someone does something contr- completely contrarian, like, I don't know, taking Spiller at 107 and 108 and early uh, rookie drafts that I saw last year, just going completely off the board to be contrarian. But for the most part, you're going to apply the market uh, to to what's happening. Yeah, and, and and to be clear, I'm not I'm not blind to the the outlier status that a chain would have to have um, if he, you know, becomes an RB two in fantasy, even like, I understand that based on, you know, historical hit rates of guys, his size and blah, blah, blah. Jacob, you're right. That aren't, there aren't a lot of clean comps, but just based on him being small, I understand it's a long shot. And I also wouldn't be surprised. You know, my, my RB two through five really are all pretty tight. And I would not be shocked to see them, you know, their, their careers kind of shake out in any order in that group. Like this isn't, it's not like some massively, you know, clear distinction. I have a chain over Gibbs because I think that Gibbs's pass catching could end up being the difference. Just like, you know, Zach Charbonnet's kind of well-roundedness could be the difference. I, I, I could see it either way. Well, speaking of Zach Charbonnet, he comes in next on our list of running backs to spotlight. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Charbonnet. He's probably, one of the more consensus, probably other than Bijan Robinson at RB1, Zach Charbonnet is is the the guy that seems to get the most golf claps from the bulk of the mm-hmm. fantasy community in terms of being a guy who has that baseline receiving ability, has all the size, he has the workload capacity, he's probably going to go on day two of the draft. What are your thoughts on Zach Charbonnet? Do you have any differing thoughts from the market? Or are you generally in line with how they perceive him? I think I'm generally in line. I think I'm, I'm, I don't think this, this will be a shock, but I, I think I'm generally more willing to nitpick than other people are. Like, like I, he does check a lot of the superficial boxes. Like, is he a band of Canada? It's not in the, 
you know, to the extreme degrees that Abana Canada does. And I think Charbonnet is better than him, but he's, he's big enough. He's fast enough. He was productive. He caught enough passes. He was an efficient runner. Like we, he's probably going to get good draft capital. Like we, he seems like a fairly safe option. I do think they're a little bit more, uh, you know, you know, a lack of refinement, maybe at the line of scrimmage. I think he, you know, kind of brain farts sometimes behind the line of scrimmage. Um, but overall, yeah, I think he's fine. I think he's part of the, you know, or at least a cousin to the Kareem Hunt, David Montgomery family tree of running backs. That's uh, the one I was going to say is I, I have him closest ranked to Montgomery, like just as an overall prospect and his, his most, his best case scenario to me would be David Montgomery. Yeah. 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 Be, and he's going to be a guy who, I don't really want to speak to like his pass blocking ability, but every, every other aspect of playing running back, he's, he's at least competent. Uh, he's a good tackle breaker. He is a solid pass catcher. Like he's, he's just feels like a high floor guy, but I also think sometimes those high floor guys who don't have special traits, they're all just, you know, they check all the boxes, but not, you know, in an exciting way. Sometimes those guys turn out to be Keontae Ingram or, you know, they just don't, really materialize uh Rashad White uh checked a lot of the same types of boxes that Charbonnet is currently uh checking sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't you know like like Buck Allen somebody like that uh checks a lot of boxes Mm -hmm. Charles Sims checked a lot of boxes and just ended up being a role player so I think this this idea that there aren't a lot of flaws in Charbonnet's profile means he's David Montgomery automatically very well could be the case but I also think I'm I want to remain cognizant of the fact that just because he doesn't have a lot of huge issues doesn't mean he's an automatic RB2 for the next five years. I think what I like the most about Charbonnet is, like I mentioned with Abinacanda, this like really like hit or massive miss range for this like, again, really generic bucket when we're talking about the productive runners with good size, with not much in terms of the receiving game. Charbonnet falls into like a different, very generic box check bucket, which is the size plus pass catching bucket. Um, And particular, if projections go according to plan, they'll fall into the size plus pass catching plus draft capital bucket, which is generally a good bucket to live in because you just have sort of a lot of avenues to hit. And so much of running back to me is about contingent value and about utility that this profile becomes very appealing because sort of at the upside of that bucket, it's like, well, if the receiving profile is a little better than we think, right. You know, maybe all of a sudden we have some of that upside into a Le'Veon Bell, into a Ramondre Stevenson, into this archetype of runner. You have sort of that median. It's like, well, what if you're just kind of an average back, but sometimes the average backs who aren't obviously, um, who, who aren't obviously degenerative at any one issue, like a Montgomery, like a Joe Mixon comes to mind. They just happen to get a ton of touches for a very long time. And their value is like, I can be replacement level at everything. And then you can just run your offense. You don't have to bother tipping plays because I'm the running back and I just handle everything. And that has value. And that's where you see guys like Monty and Mixon provide consistent fantasy value. And then you're like really worst case scenario to me is like, okay, worst case, you're Samaj P. Ryan. 
and you're the world's best handcuff. Because if the running back Eddie goes down, you come in and they don't have to ever take you off the field. And it's like, are you happy if you draft Samaj P. Ryan with a late first in your rookie round pick? No, the people who actually drafted Samaj P. Ryan can tell you that much. But like <laughs> at least that much. <laughs> um, but like at least that type of profile gives you something. And it also gives you something to get excited about. Like Rashad White is fascinating because Rashad White was a profile that I like for the same kind of reasons and that he like checked a lot of boxes that sort of secures your floor in one respect. And he gives you access to that upside in other respect. And then he was like, pretty defective as a player for all of his rookie year and unquestionably gained value. Like you could like, you like <laughs> had the opportunity to buy Rashad white in rookie drafts, watch him play, like have some startable weeks for you. And then like be bad, like actively bad and easily net you a profit, right? Like that's, I mean, you have to still realize that profit. Like your league mates aren't ATMs, but like, and, and you know what the thing is, is like, okay, I'm calling Rashad white actively bad, but Maybe they just don't replace him and they didn't in free agency and they give him a bunch of touches and then maybe he's better or maybe it just doesn't even matter if he's not very good for this year. Like there's just so many ways for this guy to pay off. And it's not like Charbonnet is like clearly not good, right? So I think I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. excited about this profile. He's like exactly what I want to be betting on in Dynasty. I think I'm even more excited to bet on some of the profiles that I think are similar to Charbonnet but are likely to be cheaper than Charbonnet that are going to be drafted later where you sort of get like the probably more likely to be the P Ryan than the mix in, but you get, you get it at a lot cheaper access point. I, I feel like Charbonnet is the second safest running back in the class. Like he's not the RB two, but to me, he feels like probably one of the only true three down legitimate three down, like from an, I'll say this, I'll rephrase that. He seems like one of the only NFL uh, uh, how the NFL looks at a three down back. He seems like he's one of only a few in this class, which makes him to me safe. Cause if you're drafting somebody like him in the second round, you're likely viewing him for his three down skill set, Like you mentioned, which to me, I feel like a lot of these other guys need things to go really well for them uh, to not just get on the field, but stay on the field. And we know that when it comes to dynasty, all you need for a rookie running back to gain value at all is to just play. They don't have to do well. We saw James Cook gain value this offseason at six fantasy points per game. Like he still gained value. So I feel like Charbonnet just has some of that safety net baked into uh, his profile at this point, which makes him, a, to me, a lock at the end of the first round of your rookie draft. Like a lock to me right yeah. now. I definitely agree that he's the the second safest guy in this class. Like Gibbs and A-Chain have the obvious size, you know, potential issues. Uh, I love Evans, who I think we're going to talk about in a second, but he's obviously not a safe pick. Uh, yeah, and, and nobody else really has the, the, the boxes checked that Charbonnet and also Bijan have checked. Charbonnet just yeah. doesn't check them as emphatically as Bijan does. Right, he like checks them, whereas Bijan like just obliterates them. He just mm-hmm. it's like uh it's like in the Bush v. Gore election. There's like Charbonnet's like okay, he probably checked it, but there might be like a hanging chad on his ballot box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bijan's <laughs> just punching that shit right through. Oh, um, my goodness. All right, let's talk about our last guy we're gonna spotlight, and then we're gonna rattle off some of the quick um fuck Mary kills to get through a bunch of these running backs in a hurry. But this is your boy. I will cede the floor. Zach Evans, you have compared yourself oh. to Jesus himself. Um, 
in, in, in preaching the gospel of Zach Evans, you said they hated Jesus because he told the truth. Tell us the truth about Zach Evans. Yeah, the truth about Zach Evans is that he is one of the few best running backs in this class because he just is. There are all sorts of opinions floating around about Zach Evans. Uh, people, I think, relished the fact that he went. He was two hundred two at the combine because people don't want to like him anyway because he he used a cell phone once when he was a high school senior. Uh, you know, he was an immature 17 year old or, or whatever. And then he transferred after, you know, getting hurt at TCU. Uh, I, I think a lot of the issues people have with Zach Evans are just non-issues. Like he, yes, he, he drops the ball uh, when it's thrown to him frequently. I don't think he's physically incapable of catching passes. I think he needs some work with his technique and, and focus. Um, I don't think he is too small. Uh, like, like I was, I was saying with A-Chain, if, if a guy is, is small, we, we care either because coaches are going to think he's too small or because it hurts him on the field. I don't know what coaches are going to think about Zach Evans, but I know that whatever size he runs at is not a problem based on how he plays on the field. He's one of the most powerful running backs in this class, uh, breaks tackles better than almost anybody in this class. He's a physical runner. Um, and then there are the concerns that he uh, has bad vision, which I... I, I, I understand inconsistent. I understand spotty as far as decision-making goes. I absolutely do not think he has bad vision. I think he's one of the most creative runners in this class. I think he moves in a way that's different. Like he, there, there are a lot of running backs. Only some of them are built different. And Zach Evans is built different. Like he runs kind of like Alvin Kamara. Like there's just, there's just weird things about the way that he can move athletically and bounce off of tacklers uh, that other guys just don't have access to because they aren't as physically gifted as he is. Um, so he can he can shake tacklers that way. And then back to his decision-making. He Matt Waldman just released the RSP, and I scrolled right to the Zach Evans portion uh, of that document. And the, the <laughs> first one of the first things it said was, uh, Zach Evans is the most advanced decision-maker in this running back class. And I came away from his, his film thinking the same thing. Uh, looking back over the grades, and I, I do have him, you know, charted down as having made, you know, more mistakes uh, on a per carry basis, you know, from a decision-making standpoint um, related to vision and things like that than other backs do. But he also makes up for that by coming up with creative solutions to problems on the field, manipulating linebackers at the line of scrimmage, uh, being decisive when he should and not uh, going for creative solutions when they would uh, be you know, when they would actively hurt the execution of like, he's not bailing on structure very often. Sometimes he doesn't see the hole that you want him to see, but he's not, he's not bailing on things and creating problems that don't already exist. So I, I think he's as a peer runner, pound for pound, a chain's better. Uh, but Zach Evans is the best peer runner accounting for size. I think in this class to me, uh, even over Bijan, and if he could catch the ball like Bijan, they would be neck and neck uh, for me as prospects. But he he simply doesn't. I mean, apparently Zach Evans would be Stefanski's wet dream. I mean, that's <laughs> that's quite that's quite a comment for sure. Jacob, um, first of all, I apologize to people listening. The audio is about to be total shit because my computer is almost going to die, and one of my ports doesn't work. So I had to do a little sub out. Um, however. 
Um, I'm really excited for after Zach Evans gets taken in like round five to like heel turn and be a pro Zach Evans person. Cause I, I think the issue I've had with, it's like the same as the David Bell situation last year, where I remember like I was put in this unfortunate situation of being like the canary in the David Bell coal mine, where I'd see like a lot of people who were like, I love David Bell. And I'm like, this guy might not get drafted very highly. Like you probably don't want to overextend yourself to David Bell in the pre-draft process. And that's what I felt about Zach Evans, where it's like all of the vibes, like if you were to do the vibes rating for 60, it's negative. Like he's come in underweight. He didn't participate in drills of the combine. He has reported attitude issues. He's falling down mock draft boards. Like it's just like the way that he was thought of in the class versus how it's likely he's perceived by the NFL screams to me a guy who is not going to get drafted very highly. All that being said, it's kind of the same actually as that Kayshawn Butte would almost be the analog at wide receiver in terms of a guy who had a lot of Devi pedigree, but then the pre-draft process gone very poorly for him. The difference is I actually don't believe in Butte like fundamentally. I don't like his prospect profile, so I don't really care if he becomes more available to me. I do like Evans. I just don't want to spend an early round draft pick, like an, or an early round two pre-draft rookie pick on a guy who I think it's like very possible goes in round six. All that being said, I expect that if he does fall to day three, then he's going to become drastically more affordable and I'm going to draft a ton of them. And if I'm wrong and he does go on day two, that's fine. At least then like his price will be justified and I'm okay paying it at that point. I, I agree with everything you said. Like, I think he is a really strong back in this class. I think he profiles quite well. I think qualitatively you're able to paint a really nice picture of what he can be as a running back. You tie that in with his pedigree and it's really exciting. And I think it's a guy where, especially if he goes on day three and he lands in kind of a crowded backfield and people completely tune him out, I'll be excited just trying to bet on the talent and really capturing that upside for free. So I'm, I'm interested in Zach Evans probably starting May one. It's just like, I'm still in some of these, a couple of these pre-draft rookie drafts. And it's like, he's going in the early second. I'm like, I can't do this when there's like wide receivers that might get drafted in round one or are going at the same area. But I'm as a player, I, I like Zach Evans. It feels like his his pre NFL rookie draft, uh, super flex rookie draft. Uh, man, that does get confusing when you say it enough. Uh, spot is like inching close to like post draft Trey Sermon, where he's that like super questionable running back that seems to be creeping up draft boards uh, at, at the early second, like we saw Trey Sermon end up. It's, even TDP, just questioning. I mean, that it's definitely it's it's like that in the sense that it that he's getting pushed up. But like, I, I don't know. I, this is like probably a really ambitious comp because it does not reflect the receiving ability. But if Aaron Jones was a crappier receiver, then I think Zach Evans is like kind of like an Aaron Jones, but in the running profile, like from a size perspective and from a making effective decisions perspective and from a really strong, like, well, his production profile actually sucks. But from like a Devi pedigree, like, how, what I think of this player as a prospect versus how the NFL will draft them perspective. I think of it as like Aaron Jones's rushing ability with Jamal Williams's receiving ability. That's like my, that's my comp for Zach Evans. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't actually hate that comp. Uh, it's tough to find one because all of, all of my compare Zach Evans to someone uh, preconceived notions were built on him being 215 pounds. Uh, and then he came in at 202 and, you know, you know, supposedly 208 at his pro day, which that's a completely different range. But 
even if he goes in day six, yeah, I, I think that'll be a good opportunity to uh, take cheap shots in the same way that Elijah Mitchell, uh, Isaiah Pacheco turned into like the sexy post-draft sleepers. Um, yeah, I also would not be shocked if Evans goes mid to late day three. Um, but yeah, you're right. At that point, he does become an interesting value. A little more palpable for your for your cost, I think is yes, exactly is, is what's needed for someone like him. Well, that's great. That I think that hammers out the first portion of the show. We're gonna take a quick second. We come back. We're gonna do promo code stuff, and then we're gonna get into uh, Jacob's new favorite uh, bit, the fuck Mary kill portion uh, of the program. So sit tight. Okay, look. I always hate doing this stuff, but we got to do it. Uh, it's part of the whole deal. Uh, if you have not played Underdog before, you can head over to Underdog where they do best ball. They have uh, they have pickums. They have everything you could possibly need. Join the online sensation. The Superflex uh, draft boards have just opened. You're not going to want to miss out on this. And, of course, you can join us for the full tilt uh, best ball shows starting up uh very shortly in the next couple of weeks, you can use promo code full tilt F U L L T I L T and get that done. And of course with trophy smack, when you're over there as well, you can use promo code full tilt again. That's F U L L T I L T and get discounts on some fantastic merchandise over there at trophy smack. And of course head over to fantasypoints.com, get your subscriptions, log on and get up to date with the most recent data possible. The fantasy points data section of the website is gonna change the game quite literally head over do all of those things let them know that we sent you and uh, and have yourself a grand old time all right jacob fuck mary kill run by how this is going to work yeah i imagine that everybody's played this game before um <laughs> and i'm gonna name three running backs i tend to, i tried to group them in like groupings that make some form of sense either like based on what kind of player they are or or some context about their profile or whatever. So it wasn't just like randomly throwing spaghetti at all. Um, and then basically, yeah, I'm going to name them. And then you're going to say who you want to fuck, who you want to marry, who you want to kill. You can assign your subjective criteria to that. I'll say that the way I envision it is essentially the kill, obviously, is the guy you think kind of sucks. Uh, the marry is the guy that you would take on your dynasty team or your NFL team and treasure them forever and ever. And the running back that you'd fuck is maybe the guy who either – you think has high upside, but you're not sure about, or maybe somebody that you think might burn brightly and burn out quickly in the NFL. Um, this is our first group here. This group is kind of what I consider the speed score all-star team, if you will. This is <laughs> Izzy Abanacanda, Chase Brown, and Sean Tucker. We obviously talked about Izzy for anybody unfamiliar with Chase Brown. That is the running back out of Illinois blazed at the combine came in at 205 pounds strong overall rushing production profile and sean tucker uh i am pleased to announce uh has been included <laughs> in this segment um sean tucker has the speed score spreadsheet virgin king running back of this class who may or may not have had the best testing of anybody or may or may not have tested at all depending on how you value <laughs> um, self-reported video times um Obviously has a strong uh, receiving profile, at least from a raw volume perspective. Uh, Noah, as our guest of honor, you go first. I will say that these these groupings you put together, whoever put them together, did an excellent job because uh, I think Obviously. most running backs in this Come class on, are per 
most running backs in this class are pretty fuckable and not many of them are running backs that I want to either marry or kill. So this was legitimately difficult in all four of these uh, trifectas. But with this first one, I, I, I want to note it. This is the this is the big sentence from the episode: is most running backs in this class are fuckable. <laughs> oh, that's that's going to be the title of the pod for sure. Uh, but the one that I will fuck first is Izzy Abanacanda. I I see the upside. Uh, he's he's a boom bust guy to me. I think there's a he's probably going to stick around in the league because he's traitsy. And if he falls backwards into a job through injury or whatever it is, I. I would imagine he'll have some explosive plays, some some usable days, and maybe he turns into more. Uh, I'm going to kill Chase Brown because Oof. I don't hate Chase Brown, but hate nothing Canadians? about I, I get it. I understand. <laughs> nothing about Chase Brown excites me. I, I know that he's athletic. He's got like Jarek McKinnon testing numbers. I didn't see Jarek McKinnon at all on the field, other than like late career Jarek McKinnon, who is basically just on the field because he's he can pass block and Patrick Mahomes knows where he's going to be and he doesn't make mistakes. Like I think that's chase Brown, but I don't know how excited I am about like 29 year old Jarek McKinnon entering the league. So I'm going to, I'm going to kill chase Brown and then I'll marry Sean Tucker, I guess, but this feels like, you know, marrying your, this feels like getting married in Vegas. Like it's not a good idea. Yeah. This, this should be a one night stand. This should be, a threesome oh, no. with Izzy Abanacanda, Sean Tucker, and myself, but I'm being forced to marry one of them. And I think Sean Tucker has a better chance of hitting and maybe a higher ceiling than Izzy Abanacanda does. So I suppose I will marry him. Had the three with Izzy and knocked up Sean Tucker. You get to go next, but I don't know like... how you'll top the threesome call up. No, that's, I'm good. Like, that's it. There's nothing else <laughs> I can add to that. Not only do I agree with all three, but that, that was, no, that was too perfect. Too perfect. Yeah, I'd probably wind up saying the same anyway. So I'm, I'll, I'll leave it with your threesome there. Group two, these are uh, running backs who, a, I think have all were probably better thought of in October than they are thought of currently. Uh, also, all running backs who it's pretty easy to talk yourself into as at least a two-down runner, and not entirely implausible to talk yourself into as a three-down back with their raw upside. This is, of course, Tank Bigsby and the two former teammates at Texas Christian University, Kendra Miller and Zach Evans. Uh, we'll let you go on this one again here. Um, I think none of these guys are players that I want to marry. I am maybe the highest person in the in the space, whatever that means, on Zach Evans. Uh, I thought you would marry Magdalene, Zach Evans. Oh, man. That's, After that's your Jesus one. invocation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good one good one uh, but i don't want to marry any of these players but because i have to i'm going to marry zach evans he is a fuckable running back but he uh he he gets the ring from me because i just think he's the best of these players uh and i'm going to fuck tank bigsby this was a very difficult decision for me uh but i i'm i'm more convinced of tank bigsby being the guy he was as a freshman who simply was like playing hero ball on a terrible team the last couple of years. Like I, I can buy into that narrative more readily than I can buy into Kendra Miller is going to survive in the NFL purely off of being able to break every tackle when I don't actually think he's like that good of a decision maker, uh, maybe not a good enough athlete to 
for his style to work in the league. So I like all of these guys relatively evenly as far as like a chances of hitting perspective. But yeah, I'll marry Evans, fuck Tank, kill Kendra Miller. Mm, that's in, that's interesting. I'm gonna marry Tank. I am going to fuck Zach Evans uh, thoroughly, and I'm I'm also going to yeet uh, Miller myself. I just think Tank, out of those three, has the more realistic shot of just sticking around. I think Zach Evans could burn out real quick. I I can't choose to fuck Tank because with a dead leg that nasty, I'd be a necrophiliac. So I'm I'm oh. marrying him for the long haul. Um, I I really like Tank Bigsby. That's like probably my he's my like number one guilty pleasure running back out of all of these guys that all have a bunch of issues. I I think that he I I think I agree with what you said about him playing hero ball. Like the first line of my scouting notes on Tank Bigsby is "Lol, this O line is ass," um, and I feel like that just like overhangs my evaluation of him. It's not just that the O line was ass; it's that uh, his quarterback play was positively atrocious throughout the entirety of his Auburn. It was just an entirely defective program. It was as though he was put into like a central Michigan offense, but then every week they had to play SEC teams. And it was just very (laughs) infuriating to watch his film. And I think what you see with Tank is like, first of all, the dead leg point was a joke, but it's also legit. Like he has a lot of ability in the open field to make people miss. I think especially if he ends up in his own scheme and he's able to take advantage of that sharpness of his cutting ability, he's going to be able to succeed in that respect. I also thought this year he was used more in the passing game. Shivers wound up transferring away, who used to be their third down running back at Auburn. And I thought he looked fluid. Like, I don't necessarily think he's like a dynamic pass catcher or anything, but if we're talking about dump offs and screens and stuff, I actually think he's a more natural catcher of the ball than even a Zach Charbonnet. Um, I think Tank Bigsby is, is totally acceptable <laughs> in that area. And uh, he, <laughs> that's funny, God. Brock just said, bro has a toxic relationship with Zach Evans and decides to marry him. Um, yeah, point being, I like Tank Bigsby. I like his style of running back. Um, I, I can see like, I can see Tevin Coleman upside for Tank Bigsby, particularly if, if we get into like a zone scheme as sort of more of that upright, sharp cut, one cut and go type of guy. Uh, we've talked about Zach Evans. I will fuck him. I am still intrigued by his upside. And yeah, Kendra, like Kendra Miller is the exact type of running back who gets a certain segment of fantasy Twitter really excited. And it's the segment of fantasy Twitter who thinks that tackle breaking metrics equal isolated running back performance metrics that like mm. that as though like the only part that are, of playing running back that a running back is responsible for is like how many tackles you break that segment of running back Twitter really loves Kendry Miller. I, I'm not that segment of running back Twitter and I'm not the biggest fan of his um, overall. And that, one thing I don't understand is people's obsession with tackle breaking. I can tell you, I played running back for seven years, very competitively and I was sub 180 and I could break tackles Right, I remember being hit by two linebackers. I spun around. Devin a chain I, of Canadian I, junior football. I spun <laughs> off of them, and I remember standing still. I could not physically or mentally believe I was still standing. It happens accidentally. It's not. It's not the most trackable thing on a running back. Uh, it, it can happen by accident, uh, for sure. Uh, next one here, Jacob. Yeah, I think Kendra is somewhere in the middle between Javante Williams and Zach Moss, but I'm not super sure that he's on the Javante end of the scale. I, I don't know what his juice is. We won't, we won't have his testing numbers. Um, group three. Mostian? 
Group three is guys who I think project to be effective early down runners. And probably that's it. And also each of them has like some kind of weird element to their profile um, where just something is somewhat missing uh, in terms of either the volume or have they ever caught a pass? Who's to say? That is Roshan Johnson, uh, Bijan uh, Johnson's backup at the University of Texas. Uh, we also have Dwayne McBride, who is one of the most voluminous and effective running backs of the class from a rushing perspective, who has, has never recorded the concept of a route or a pass caught uh, actually in human history. And then we have Tyon Evans, who is a guy, former Tennessee volunteer, transferred to Louisville. Efficiency dream, not a high volume running back. And we're unsure as to exactly why he was not a high volume running back. Who are you going with in this category, Noah? I think in in terms of fantasy football, you have to go with, you have to marry Roshan Johnson uh, because he, the NFL clearly, he's clearly the type of guy that the NFL is going to love. He's big. He's like a, a team first guy who changed positions in college. He's versatile because of, you know, that position switch and he caught passes and played on special teams and blocked and ran the ball, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you can tell yourself a story of like, why wasn't he productive? Well, it's because he played with B. John Robinson. So obviously he wasn't going to be. Uh, and and I, I believe that he is like an effective, reliable two down runner who can probably, you know, by all accounts, pass block. Well, seems like he can catch the ball. Like there just aren't many holes in his profile other than he played behind Bijan and he's not super athletic, but he does have athletic traits that look like other successful running backs in the past who played with his style. So I'm bought into Roshan Johnson being uh, wife material. Uh, and, and I think this is the kind of, this is the category where my running back rankings uh, don't match here, which maybe makes me a fraud, but definitely does. I don't know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne McBride is the guy I'm going to kill here, who I think I have just outside my top five running backs in my rankings, but a, it's, it's based on my own process. That's where I'm led. His, his team relative efficiency metrics look really good. Uh, he is just so sound on film i didn't i didn't come away like super impressed but he grades out just so cleanly he's just not making mistakes behind the line of scrimmage he's powerful against the competition that he played uh he's got decent size he was really efficient but lots of other people don't like him on film at all i know matt waldman didn't think he was like even an nfl caliber runner uh when he studied him on film i don't know what that you know i, I don't know what to do with that information where like other people i respect have the complete opposite opinion of me, uh, but McBride also fumbles a lot and doesn't catch passes. So it's even though I think he has kind of the full package as a as a pure runner, um, there are enough red flags where I'm willing to, uh, where I think my evaluation of him is one where I I grasp very loosely. Uh, so I'm going to kill him, and then Tyon Evans I'm going to fuck because. I'm confident that he can run the football in the NFL. I just have no idea if the NFL is going to let him do that. They invited him to the combine despite him never being productive in college, which I think is a good sign. He's one of you know the best speed score guys in this class, was efficient at community college, was efficient at Louisville, was, was efficient at Tennessee. All he's ever done is be impressive on the ground. He also doesn't catch many passes, and I don't think he's like a creative runner. He's like a, a take what's there and be explosive and break tackles type of guy. Um, 
but I could see him being productive in like a, a Jordan Howard type capacity if he were to, you know, end up with volume somehow. Hmm. Okay. I can vibe with that. This oh, is a, you this, got? this is tough for me. This is really tough. Uh I mean the next one's actually a little bit tougher for me. I'm gonna I'm also gonna marry Roshan. Stable, sturdy, can rely on him. You know, he's gonna be there for you when you get home after a rough day. You know, you you like that. Uh, in that kind of relationship. I'm, oh man, I'm probably going to fuck ride because I feel like he's going to have uh, a legitimate shot at a run. And you know, you like that, that high upside one night stand. It's something it could turn into more, probably not going to, but you never know. You might, you might be able to get a call back. We'll see how it goes. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to yeet uh, Tyon Evans. I know the least about him. Uh, in this entire section that we've talked about today. <laughs> and uh, if I don't know that person, I'm probably not going to talk to them. So they'd never be in the conversation. That's my high def analysis. Tyon Evans is firmly in the nerd zone. Like I, I'm in one league where we have a pre-draft NFL rookie draft and it's with all other analysts. So I expected even them to be like pretty plugged in to certain guys and it's for only four rounds long. So I like want to take way more shots than just the top 48, especially pre-draft. So I like caught like every loser off the bottom of my bench. And I was like, just firing out fab, like a madman at all the guys who went undrafted. And my like top bid was 153 free agent acquisition budget dollars on Tyon Evans. And the second closest bid was $0. So that was unnecessary. <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, my Roshan Johnson, since my Chris Carson comp got stolen by everybody else that's more popular. My new comp is Zach Charbonnet, if he never transferred from Michigan, this <laughs> is the comp for Roshan Johnson, um, which is that, like, I think it's very easy to consider that if Roshan transfers elsewhere and doesn't get Bijan Johnson, like, I don't actually know of a tangible, identifiable reason why he wouldn't be able to form at a decent level. Like, his receiving profile for just his freshman year was actually pretty solid. I don't, his pass blocking graded out really well. I don't know of a reason why he can't be on the field for any given down. He churns out yards after contact and he has pretty suitable athleticism at his size. Um, especially like when you look at what kind of running back it's going to be, and how he's going to be deployed. His first 10 was awesome. And that's kind of what you want to see um, from this type of back. So I'm definitely marrying Roshan Johnson. I also drafted Roshan in that pre-draft rookie draft at the three Oh six. I will kill Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride's comp is, if the memes on Twitter about Ken Walker not actually having hands were true, that's, that's Dwayne McBride. Um, because there actually isn't evidence that he has hands. The fumbling issues that you mentioned are a concern. And then he literally caught five career passes in all of college while playing at a group of five school. So I think that's that it's crazy. possible that he does indeed have clubs for hands. And that would be a, a sincerely limiting factor at the next level. I think that McBride's probably a decent runner. Like he grades out as such. I just can't be very confident about it because he played at UAB. Um, and what I've experienced recently is like some of the guys that I quote unquote hit on as guys that I really like, either coming out of college or as like early on in the NFL underheralded guys who I fell in love with from their efficiency profile and from watching them like Khalil Herbert was one of them. And he was like the least satisfying payoff in the sense that I felt like I was really correct about Khalil Herbert, even coming out of college and then it's like, oh, and what do we get out of this? We got like <laughs> probably like a two thirds of the early down carries guy and he'll never catch a pass. 
And so it's like, what do you win when you win? Like, I guess you get to feel warm and fuzzy inside about like being right that Khalil Herbert was good. But I feel like that's all I want. I don't feel like I'm actually going to win like meaningful fantasy points. And I feel like if you like plant your flag on Dwayne McBride, you're going to wind up in two years being like, see, this guy does create rush yards over expected. And it'll be like 12 fantasy points a game at most. And that's just kind of the concern for me with him. Well, well, you get so, to put on Twitter that you were right. And that at the end of the day is what we're that, all and, really chasing. And who was it? Somebody said earlier in the chat, they were like, um, I think they said like draft capital is fleeting, but takes are forever. And, and that's true, right? So you, you do get you do get to have a take. So I'm killing Dwayne McBride. I'm fucking Tyon Evans. I'm marrying Roshan Johnson. I, I love this. Yeah. Roxas is going to put fuck, Mary kill with three 2023 running backs on my hinge profile. And if she answers uh, correct, she's, 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 the, she's the one. I wouldn't so recommend we, doing that. We're giving dating she advice won't. now on this show. So that's yes, how, that's how uh, Ali won. Walker. Dwayne McBride is Mel Kuyper's boy this year. He's also been my boy play. in terms of I draft him in like round 20 of every underdog draft because it's half PPR and because Mel Kuyper had him ranked highly. So I thought maybe like, I'm not, I'm not convinced that Mel Kuyper is smart enough to come up with his own takes. So the fact that Mel Kuyper has him in his top five tells me like some team source must also have him in their top five. Like that's my logic to it. Yeah, <laughs> I was right on Herbert and no. all I got was his t-shirt. This is my last, <laughs> this is the Phenomenal. last group of fuck Mary kills for the night. I also saw that someone asked about Ty J Spears and I will say that it was entirely my fault that I left him off the show sheet. I didn't intend to, even though I like, I'm pretty anti Ty J Spears. We have a potential he easily bonus should have qualified here. for the show sheet. I, I do not have time for a bonus. I got to go in a couple minutes and I see Noah's looking oh, right. at the clock too. But the last not. group is the receiving profile type running backs, uh, <laughs> which are Deuce Vaughn, Evan Hall. And I couldn't decide whether to pick. I was going to put Spears in this one, but like he's just clearly sort of better thought of than these guys by the fantasy. You made community. the right call. So I wanted to go lower and I was between Kenny McIntosh and Eric Gray. And I decided to go with the former Tennessee volunteer of Eric Gray. So right. Gray, Hall, and uh deuce vaughn uh who are you fucking marrying and killing uh i think okay i i've been an evan hole guy uh i i love evan hole i think he's he's a good player yes but i i called that a long time ago i already won i don't need to double down and insist that evan (laughs) hole is some sort of top five running back in waiting i am uh simply fucking evan hole because i i see the potential for him to be like a, uh, you know, kind of like a, a, at the risk of sounding cliche, even though he's not actually white, uh, a scrappy like lunch pail type guy. I think that's kind of his personality. Um, he's Speaking you know athletic. kind of yeah he's he's a workout warrior. Um, he's explosive. I could see him getting on the field in like a Chase Brown type of way, while also you know offering Tony Pollard esque type appeal as like a, a space back um even though i don't think hole is probably capable of being as efficient on the ground as tony pollard is um but i, I don't really think the ceiling is that high um i'm killing eric gray because uh i haven't been impressed so far in his film i'm only like halfway through and he was also i i hadn't checked but i looked up his uh testing numbers today and he was like four six three at like 196 pounds and while i'm not the speed score guy i you know there aren't a whole lot of other things in his profile that are like keeping him afloat so i'm you know i'll, I'll drop eric gray down for now uh and then i will marry deuce vaughn because even though i don't think it's likely that he uh becomes some sort of high level fantasy asset 
I think he has, uh, he at least has something special in his skill set that could get him on the field and productive um, as like a pass catcher where the other guys are more average type profiles. Uh, they don't really have anything special. So I will uh, defer to Deuce Vaughn. I have a really important question. How are you able to determine Evan Hall's race? Because I've been trying to do this for two years. Well, okay. What was it? I uh, I think it was in the C2C uh, Slack or okay. something where, or, or I found it on Twitter. Like, I, I don't know. I was like Googling or searching Evan Hall stuff or said something about Evan Hall, assumed he was white. And then somebody corrected right. me or I saw someone correct somebody else. And I don't want to make assumptions about anybody's race, but I think based yeah. <laughs> on, you know, pictures online. Well, he's, well, that's he's not white. So I like first saw him play and, and like, I've, I've just assumed he was white. Cause like at first mm-hmm. glance. And then I was like, then I saw like the photo that he has where he's like rocking the dreads. And I was like, Oh, like maybe I'm wrong. And I was ignorant to that. And then I saw like another photo where his hair is like very, like, I don't know. I couldn't make my mind. And then I tried to find photos of his parents because uh, I was very like, because I, hey, I was like, been doing this C2C. Well, I've been doing this like C2C CMC bit. Um, and I'd also, I'd also formerly used the nickname of White James White. And then I was trying to figure out if he was, <laughs> was in fact White James White. And then I was like, okay, well, I don't want to talk on my ass. And then I found pictures of his parents and at least what Google Images told me were his parents. And they are both very white. But of course, it's also possible that those aren't his biological parents. Anyway, I remember going down like a three hour rabbit hole of trying to figure out the ethnicity of Evan Hall. And I could not come to a definitive conclusion. And then you had said so so confidently. I was incredibly excited to see if we'd have final resolution to that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, beyond that, though, beyond the beyond the Mike McDanielism of Evan Hall, um, uh, I will... Philip, Philip Lindsayism, maybe. Philip Lindsayism. Yeah, that's also, yeah. I, I will... I will marry Evan Hall. Um, I love Evan Hall. And he, this is, I only give myself one same school comp per class. That's my rule. And I'm using it on Evan Hall. I'm copying him to Justin Jackson. Um, and I can see like a lot of similarities in terms of just a guy who like on paper can carry a big workload and in very short spurts, I think can be that guy in fantasy if accidents happen in front of him. But based on like his film grade from like a Lance line, based on how he's generally thought of in mock drafts, it's like clear that he's like getting the Graham Harrell treatment of running backs where it's like the NFL is looking at his stats and they're like, it's a Fugazi. We're not allowing this. Even though in theory, you look at a profile with his type of workload and his receiving profile and even his size. And you'd think like the NFL should probably like this guy more. That being said, for like a, a guy that I want on my bench, I want a guy who can do it all. I'm marrying... Evan Hall. Uh, I will definitely fuck Deuce Vaughn. Uh, he's just a blast. Uh, you see those types of quick cuts? Like that's that's a that's an athletic specimen. That's a guy you can get down and dirty with, absolutely. And Eric Gray um, reminds me of the Jeremy Pruitt era of the Tennessee Volunteers, and so I, I prefer oh. to kill all remnants of that era. And so it's pretty easy to uh, to remove Eric Gray, who. Formerly loved. If this was if this was three or four years ago uh, on this was, program, Tom and I were big fans of Eric Gray after like freshman season. But it's not. I was gonna say, well. 
for me, uh, I, there's no football analysis going in here. Eric Gray to me, you know, you always have that friend in the group whose relationship is just terrible. Yet they keep going back for more. This is me with Eric Gray. We fell love at first sight. We've fallen out of love. We've come back multiple times and uh, it, it's just, it's never going to change. It's probably never going to amount to much, but I just can't quit him. Uh, so I'm going to marry Eric Gray for consistency on this program. Cause I'm not a traitor. Uh, I'm going to buck hole and I'm going to yeet Vaughn out of necessity. Uh, no Damn. football take ism uh, in that. What a fantastic show. I'm, I'm happy. We got, got through it. Jacob, I know you got to get the heck out of here. So real quick, final thoughts, last pitch before you have to take off. Yeah, check out Thinking About Thinking, jacobsanderson.substack.com. I apologize there hasn't been anything up in the last couple of weeks, but I gave like four articles in one week during running back free agency. So hopefully that tides people over. Uh, I do plan to finish my third entry and final pre-draft entry in the Market Principles of Dynasty series tonight when I get back from class. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. And that should be up at some point this week. And then uh, I'll make sure to do like a pre-draft roundup uh, before the draft of my rookie thoughts. And then I'll have my more full-fledged tiers, draft guide, strategy guide, and all that stuff coming out right after the NFL draft to prep you for your rookie drafts. Um, literally my last paper is due the day before the NFL draft. And then on the day of the NFL draft, I'm moving apartments. So I will be handing in my final law school paper ever. Then I'll be moving apartments. And then I'll be doing the draft show. And then I will be presumably taking like a five hour energy and spending the entire night just like writing up my draft guide as it happens. So uh, I'm excited for that and uh, excited to share that all with you guys. It's going to be a fun May and Noah, thanks a ton for coming on. This was fun and uh, excited to, um, excited to enjoy all these takes coming to fruition over the course of the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It was, this was a lot of fun again. Good show. Fantastic, man. Noah, uh, final thoughts, anything you'd like to get out there and let people in on uh, and, and hype the site? This this is your time. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, there's one last thing on the show sheet that we didn't quite get to, but I want to mention Aiden Bourget, running back Ooh. from Harvard. Uh, I, uh, I don't have much. I, I don't have much to maker. say. I don't, I don't have much. To, <laughs> yeah. I don't have much to say, but he benched 35 reps at his pro day, which as far as I can tell is the, is the best for a running back ever. And go watch him against Yale in 2019. He ran for like almost 300 yards. Aiden Borgay is the deep sleeper, uh, but no more parties.com. Come check it out. There's three new articles every week. Uh, a third of them are free and half of the paywalled ones have the paywall halfway down the article. So you can, you can, you can come freeload if you want. Uh, there's plenty of stuff there for you as well. But uh, other than that, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for having me on guys. Fantastic. Noah, you're welcome back anytime. This has been truly great. And my final thoughts are always the same. Be sure to be locked in your full tilt. We're 50 away from 500 at 500. We'd give away the championship belt customized from us to you. Uh, we, we couldn't do the show without everybody coming week after week. It's been truly phenomenal. Remember that you need to be having fun in your fantasy football season. It can be a lot. Remember there's people on the other side of your phones when you're doing all that trash talking, right? Let's keep, let's keep it above, above the belt. Uh, remember that clear eyes, full hearts can never lose your best days. Well, they're always spent tilting. Good night, everybody. 